Let me remind you of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. I'm going to read it to you uh, from the King James Version. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. And the Bible says, <clears throat> is that right? Yeah. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, let me read it to you from another translation from the New Living Translation, and it says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I'm telling you what Paul, this Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago almost. So a lot, of, a lot has happened since then, and we're in the end days, the end of the end days, and the return of the Lord is imminent. I mean, it's, it's, it's right around the corner. We know that. It's going to probably be some years from now, but it's still going to be in our lifetime. 99% is going to be in our lifetime in terms of what we see, the signs of the times. The day of the Lord is drawing very near. And what, what did God tell us in the Bible? He says, when you see the day of the Lord drawing near, you're going to need more encouragement because darkness is going to be darker. The, de the devil is going to be working stronger. You're going to see a lot of nonsense in the world and a lot of darkness and violence and awful things. You're going to need to be encouraged more right before Jesus returns. So what does he say? Because of that encouragement that you need, get to church. Don't neglect gathering together. Some people have made it their custom, their habit not to come and Paul is saying here, don't you do the same. You make it your habit to come to church. And so I'm reminding you, listen, I was praying this afternoon and in in, I can just see, I'm not going to probably get to my sermon, but that's okay. Uh, we'll do it another time. But, but I, was praying in the sh I was praying in my wet prayer closet <laughs> in my shower this afternoon. And, and I said, now, Lord, I, I said, I said uh, there was something troubling me in my spirit. I didn't know what it was. And I was praying, 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 praying. And uh, it was troubling me. I said, Lord, what is that? What's troubling? troubling me. What's troubling me? And, uh, and, the, and the Lord spoke to me and he said, there's an attack coming. I said, Lord, what do you mean there's an attack coming? He said, there has been an attack against your church like all the other churches uh, and you have succeeded. You have overcome. He's talking about COVID-19. You've overcome. He said, but there's another attack coming. I said, Lord, what is that attack coming? And he said, it's going to be much more subtle and much more sly than the first attack, which was very aggressive and right in your face. He said, there is an attack coming and you need to warn the people about this attack. And that attack is going, this attack is going to come completely different different guys. It's going to come with different emotions. It's not going to be right in your face. It's going to be coming through the back door. It's going to be very crafty and subtle. And this is what the Lord said. He said, there are people that are going to be tempted because the season where they couldn't come to church, so they sat at home and watched. There's going to come a temptation to say, well, look what God did in my life. Look how God answered my prayers. Look how God delivered me. Look how blessed I've been over these three months. I don't need to go in person. This has been working great. And so now I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay at home and watch live stream. And the Lord said to me, I was troubled. I prayed for quite a while before he spoke to me. And he said, there's an attack coming. And he said, it's subtle and it's crafty. And he said, while they couldn't come to church, I honored the fact that they would watch. But now that they can, it is in their power. It is in their hand to honor me by coming in person. There is going to be a subtle attack to try to lie to them that it's not necessary, that they don't need it. And they're going to justify it by saying, look what God's done for me watching live stream. So I don't need to go. And I'm just going to 
going to stay put. It's less gas money. It's less effort. I don't have to get dressed up. And I'm good enough just to watch live stream. And I'm telling you, my brother and sister, when that thought comes to you, don't say nobody warned you. That is a lie from the devil. That is a demonic thought that's coming to your mind. And it's going to be guys and it's going to be packaged real sweet. But you need to reject that thought because that thought is not of God. When we couldn't and it was out of our power, God saw, counted the live stream as honor. But when it's within our hand and our power to do right and we choose to slack off and to do the lazy action instead of the right honorable action, God is God takes that personal. And I'm telling you, he said there's an attack coming on their minds. Warn them. The Bible says, remember what we read, 2 Corinthians, I can't remember, 2.11, Taylor, whatever you quoted me before last service, that it says that we are not ignorant of the devil's devices, that he is not able to take advantage of us. If you're ignorant, he'll take advantage. I'm not, you're not ignorant. Ignorant means you don't have knowledge. You have knowledge because I'm warning you. The Holy Ghost said it to me this afternoon in prayer for me to warn you. The thought is going to come. Look at all the things God's done. I don't need to go. I can just stay home and God will keep doing it. No, ma'am. No, sir. That's not how it works. He's done this because he counted your watching as honor. But when it's in your power to honor him in person and come in person the, the way the Bible says and you choose not to do it because you don't want to make the effort, that you, you will open a door and what God did in the free season, he won't continue doing for you. Not the same way because he counted it as honor before, but now honor means to come in person and watch, yes, watch the other three if you want, but make sure you come in person. And so I prayed and prayed and prayed until I got a release on that. And then the Lord said it to me, there's an attack, it's subtle, it's crafty, and it's sly. Tell the people I expect them to make the effort and to come in person and to honor me. And just because I delivered and helped them in the previous season, don't let them think that I'll do the same if they're dishonorable in the next season. Lorraine, the season has changed. This is a new season. We're not in the season. I didn't know it would happen this quickly. He said to me Saturday morning, it's imminent change. I didn't know what imminent meant. I thought he meant July. I didn't know it meant this week. But we are in a new season. This previous season with all this live stream and empty sanctuary is over. This is the last service. These are the last few minutes of it. It's over. We are now stepping into a new season. It's not the same as before because we can't have everybody sitting beside each other. That will come eventually. But we're stepping into another season now even with 120, it's better than it's better than what we had before of 50, and it's certainly better than no one. So we are stepping into a new season. What God honored in the previous season, He won't honor in this season. Not the same way. You've got to make the effort. Get dressed, come, and lift your hands with your brothers and sisters, and let's lift up a loud sound, a shout of praise to our God, and sit hungry for the Word, and bring God your tithes and offerings, and be honorable like you've been in the previous. Be honorable again. And what God did in the previous, he will do for again for you and greater. This is a, we're gone up a level. And that means that victory should be higher. That means attendance should be higher. Offerings should be higher. Uh, uh, the, the answers to prayer should be higher. All of it should be increased because the season has ratcheted up now. So I'm encouraging you, make sure you obey the Bible and that you come. Now from the Passion Translation, Hebrews 10.25 says these words. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning, meaning the day of the rapture. 
I'll read it again. I like the way it's worded. Uh, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to you Hebrews 10, 25. This is not the time to do that. No, this is the time as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning, which is the great day of the rapture of the church. So this is not the time to pull away. It's the time to press forward. Now, I also want to read you just a couple other verses. Paul said, or the author of Hebrews tells us, meet together. Now, uh, we see that that was Paul's instruction to the church. Now, Paul had to live this. He, he had to live it himself. And if you look with me in Acts 17, verse 2, we see an interesting scripture here where we see evidence that Paul lived this. He didn't just preach it. He lived it. And the Bible says in Acts 17 and verse 2, it says, uh, and Paul, as his manner was, another translation says, as his custom was, another translation says, as his habit was, went in unto them in the synagogue and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scripture. I want you to notice he went into the synagogue where they, where they basically, it's what our equivalent is of a church service. And he had a habit, a custom, and a manner of regularly going to the synagogue, going to church. So Paul had to live this and he had to, he had preached it, but he lived it too. I'm not sure I haven't read it from the, from the passion. I don't know if it says it any different. Let me just quickly have a peek here. Hey, Acts 17 verse two, is that what I said? Praise God. I don't think. He says, as he, as, as he customarily did, he went to the synagogue to speak to the Jews from the Torah scrolls for three weeks. So it says, as he customarily did, or as his habit was. Now, Jesus had the same good habit of coming to church. Last scripture is uh, the book of Luke chapter 4. The book of Luke chapter 4, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke chapter 4, if you wouldn't mind, please, and verse 16. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16, I know that maybe some of you say, I don't need you to tell me this, Pastor. I'm coming anyway. But I just want to give you the word on it. It's not just my, me as your pastor asking you to come because it's our culture. This is kingdom culture. Doesn't matter what country you're in the world, God expects faithfulness to church. Because it's beyond a human being's opinion or a culture of a, of a day, of an age, of an era, of a country. It's not just a 21st century deal. This was a first century deal as well and all the way through. And Jesus had the same habit. It says in verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now this is his inaugural preaching where he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. But did you notice that before he went into ministry, this was his first sermon. So before he ever preached his first sermon, he had a habit and a custom and a manner. It was customary for him to faithfully go to church what they would call a synagogue, what we call church services. So Jesus, before he was even in the ministry, showed faithfulness to the house of God. And so I wanted you to notice that. And I'll read it to you now from Luke chapter 4, 16 in the, in the Passion Translation. And it says, Luke chapter, is that what I said, brother? Luke 4, 16, right? Well, I'm in Luke 5, 16. Well, that's why it doesn't make sense. 
uh, Luke 4, 16. And when he came to Nazareth where he had been raised, he went into the synagogue as he always did on the Sabbath day. In other words, he always did it. He was faithful. He always did it. There wasn't a, a week where he missed. He didn't get lazy. He didn't have a spiritual vacation. He always was faithful. Praise God. God is looking for faithfulness for us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. Oh, I'm giving, that's why you said that to me, Lord. I, I see it now. I wasn't sure if it was for Sunday or if it was for tonight. I didn't have clarity. But now that I see how far time is spent and then I can't really get into the other message that I planned because time is too far spent. Now, Lord, I know why you said that to me because you wanted me to share that tonight. It's just a little nugget. But I, I, he, he said, tell this. I thought he meant Sunday at first, but now I know he means this evening. Praise God. So I want you to turn. There's an interesting scripture when I was reading today that the Holy Ghost showed me and, uh, and, and, and it really blessed me. Okay, let me, I don't, I haven't even, um, I haven't even got it in my notes. So just, uh, just uh, stay with me for a second. Hallelujah. Amen. It is in the book of Acts. Acts chapter, I think it's Acts chapter 17 actually. Weren't we just there? Taylor is not opening his Bible, so he doesn't know if... Well, Taylor, is that where we were, brother? Taylor, is that where we were, brother? He's not sure. Lorraine, is that where we were, sister? We were in Acts 17, so they should already be in Acts 17. Or they've just been there, praise God. Hallelujah. Now, you see in Acts 17, if, I won't read the whole thing, but if you look down at the end of the chapter, he's preaching. Paul is preaching. And where is Paul preaching? Well, Paul is preaching in Athens because uh, if you study it here, that they had taken him to Athens in verse 16. Now, Paul waited for them at Athens. His spirit was stirred in him when, they saw the, when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. And verse 17, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. And it goes on and on, and uh, I won't read all those, but he's in Athens, and he's, he's waiting for the brothers to arrive, and he's stirred, and he's preaching, and he's, he's contending, and he's talking to people about Jesus, and, uh, and he goes on. And it says here, um, and Paul, verse 22, stood in the midst of Mars Hill, where all the philosophers and, uh, you know, all these men with darkened minds would philosophize about different things, and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, quote, to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him I declare unto you. They didn't know Jesus. So he was saying, you're worshiping the unknown God. I know who he is. His name is Jesus. Him I declare unto you. God that made the world and all things therein. See, he's preaching to them now. Seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is he worshiped with men's hands, as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they, may, they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. In other words, he's saying God has allowed every nation the ability to seek him. God wants to save every nation, every color of skin. He loves everyone the same. He wants to save everybody, but people have to seek him. And he's not far from us if we'll seek him. 
Now, verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we also are his offspring. So he's quoting the heathen Greek poets that said that they were the offspring or the children of God. And Paul is using their poetry now in the sermon and in verse 29. And he says, for as much then as we are the offspring of God, they didn't have what they didn't understand what that meant. But he's trying to say, we're born of the spirit. We're God's children through Jesus. Jesus, we actually are the offspring of God. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. In other words, we're God's children. God is not found in these idols. And at the times of his ignorance, God of this ignorance, God winked at it. That, in other words, means that God showed a measure of mercy and allowance for it. But now commandeth he all men everywhere to repent. In other words, God's not going to overlook your idolatry for much longer. He, because Jesus has come and the light and the way and the truth is being preached to you, the unknown God is being revealed to you so that you would know him. You must repent. He commands men everywhere everywhere to repent. Do you see? You understand what he's preaching here? He's preaching to heathens. These are smart, educated heathens because they are philosophers on Mars Hill, but they're unsaved men and they're not Jews. They're Greeks. They're people of other nations and people of the Greek nation and they're very educated and they're very intelligent and they rely on their philosophy and all their altars and all their idols and all this and all that. And Paul is preaching the gospel. I'm making known unto you the unknown God and God commands Commends everyone now to repent that has heard this message. Verse 31, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, Jesus, wherefore he hath given assurance unto all men in that he has raised him, Jesus, from the dead. Now listen, that's his sermon. He's preaching Jesus Christ, him crucified and being raised from the dead. Now watch verse 32. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and others said, we will hear thee again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. Now, this is verse 34. This is what God spoke to me. Verse 34. I had to give you the context so you'd understand where verse 34 comes from. But this is what God said to me. Now, watch verse 34. Howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysus, the Areophagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Let me read that to you, please. Acts 17 and verse 34. Let me read that to you from the Passion Translation. But there were some who believed the message and joined Paul from that day forward. Among them were Dionysus, a judge on the leadership council. So when you see that word aeropagite, that is talking about a judge on a leadership council. There was that guy and there was a woman named Demarius and others. Now, that word there, clave, in the original Greek language, it's, it's a very uh, strong word. It's not just a light word. If you study the Bible and if you study Greek like I do, I'm not a Greek scholar and I don't speak Greek, but I study a lot in that because you've got to understand the original language. You can't just take it what's translated in our language because there's so much more if you study the original. Now, this word here that is used for the word clave, it's the word kaleo, and this, this word is not a lightly used word. This does not 
just mean they like Paul or they thought, yeah, he's nice. You know, I'll, 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 I'll follow him for a little bit. This is a very pungent word in the, in the Greek language. And it literally means to stick to someone like glue. That's what the Greek language means. To stick to somebody like glue. To cleave oneself, to join oneself, and to keep the company of. Remember when Peter left the prison? That was as he went to his own company. There's lots of body parts. Remember Paul said, we're all members of one body, and some are feet, and some are elbows, and some are eyes. There's lots of bodies. There's lots of denominations. There's lots of people that are, in, that are born again across the globe, and not everybody sees exactly the way we see, and not everybody is the same body part or has the same purpose. That's why we don't judge other people. That's why we get along with people. But let me tell you, if your part, Paul, uh, Peter was a part, he had a company. He had a group of people that thought like him. He had a group of people that prayed like him. He had a group of people that believed the word the same as him. And there were other born-again believers there, but not all of them maybe were part of his company. That's why the Bible specifies that he went to his own company. There were other companies of believers. They may not have believed the same. They may not have preached exactly the same. They may not have prayed exactly the same. But Peter had a group of people that sharpened him. Remember what the Bible says? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens his friend. We want to be around people that make us stronger in the Lord, that make us sharper in the Lord, and that sharpen us like iron. Do you understand? When there's sharpening, have you noticed what that is? There's friction. It's not that easy to sharpen something because you are rubbing it against, there's friction being created, and it's a violent process. That, that steel blade or whatever that is, that, 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 that knife or that sword or that whatever it is, in order for that to be sharpened, there's a great tremendous friction on that stone that is, that is, that is getting parts, that is moving things out of it, that is shaving things down from it, and that is making a fine edge. In other words, it's a violent process to sharpen. You don't always feel good when you're being sharpened. There are sparks that fly when you see it being sharpened. But the end result is that it is more fit for use. The instrument will become more skillful because a sharp knife will do the job better than a dull knife. But the process to get it sharp is a violent process. It does, it's a loud process. Ever heard it? It's loud. There's noise. There's sparks flying. Maybe the knife doesn't feel very good about the process, but it goes through it. Maybe the person sharpening doesn't like the noise, but he goes through it because he wants the, the instrument useful and skillful for what he needs that knife or sword or whatever that blade is for. I'm telling you, when you come to church, there, you don't, there's sometimes correction. There's, sometimes, there's obviously submission, like Hebrews 13 says, obey those that have ruled over you and submit to them, for they must give an account for you. Let them do it with joy and not grief. Let it, let it, would it be unprofitable to you? So there is an act of humility to come where you have to submit to those in authority over you. The, the preaching might step on your toes a little bit. The Word of God comes as a mirror before you, and God says, I don't like that thing in your life. Get it out. I don't like that thing in your life. Get rid of it. Repent of that. And you say, why do I? Well, 
my goodness, I'm coming to church to be corrected? Yes, because there's a friction happening. There's sparks flying. There's noise happening. But you know the end result? You as the blade is going to be sharp. You as the blade is going to be a, a, an instrument useful in the master's hand, able to accomplish what God wants for you. That is why we come, not because it always feels good, but because God is working on us when we sit under the preached word of God. Now, this man, Paul, has preached a sermon to heathens. As soon as he gets to the resurrection of the dead, he ends the sermon and some of them start to mock. And, and Lorraine, I was, I was praying, God brought me this scripture. In fact, I, I, I probably, I mean, I've read the Bible many times, so I've obviously read this scripture, but I've never read this scripture. <laughs> it's like revelation came to me when I read the scripture under the eyes of the Holy Ghost. And in and, and Acts 17.34, God highlighted off the page. I thought it was maybe for Sunday morning, but now I know it's for tonight. See, I know in part and I see in part. I don't know everything, but the Holy Ghost guides us as we walk. Praise God. I just knew that it was either for tonight or Sunday, but I didn't know when it was. But it, I just felt him prompt me a few minutes ago. It's for tonight, son. I knew you couldn't get into your sermon, so I gave you just a short 10-minute nugget, but it's important that they hear it. Paul had preached to this group. And listen, some mocked. Some said... In verse 32, we're interested, and we want to hear a little bit more from you, Brother Paul. But others, according to 34, clave unto him and believed. And it even lists two of them. Their names are written eternally as a record because their heart cleaved unto that message and cleaved unto Paul. And I heard the Holy Ghost say to me, I'm telling you so loud and so clear, Lorraine. I don't even know how to really explain it. Because by the fact that he said this to me this way, it, 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 it has to mean more than it sounds. And I, and, I, and I know what it means. But he said to me, he said, in this new season, there are going to be some that mock you. And there are going to be others that show great interest and want to hear more. But there will be some that believe with all their heart and cleave unto you. Three categories of responses by three groups. The same group of people, but three different categories within that. All of them heard the same sermon. All of them heard the same message by Paul. Some mocked. Some were interested to hear more. And some believed it with all their heart. And like the Passion Translation says, from that day forward, they joined themselves. And that word cleave is a very pungent word in the Greek language. It's not a lighthearted, you know, just, you know, whatever little, little light thing. It is a very strong Greek word to say they didn't just like Paul. They joined him. They joined him like they joined together with them with all their heart, almost like a blood covenant. It's not a blood covenant, but it's got that emphasis. It means to literally stick like glue to your own company. Now, remember, Peter had his own company, and not everybody that's a born-again believer is part of the same company. There's money, body parts. We don't judge people. But listen to me, my brother and sister. Your company, when God puts you in this church, your company, your Peter, your company is promise of life. We preach the same way, we talk the same kind of language, we pray the same kind of way, and you feed and you grow here and you're planted here, and in this vineyard you'll have maximum fruit 
bearing potential. You try to go somewhere else that maybe don't preach the same, don't pray the same, don't have that same anointing, don't have that same office, don't have that same flow, don't have that same X factor, that nuance you can't quite put your finger on because it's the anointing. It's a vineyard and you'll grow a little bit, but you won't have maximum fruit bearing potential. Where God places you in a company, that's your company. Peter had a company and he was faithful to it. Now, these people heard a message And they, some of them mocked, some of them were interested and said, we want to hear more. And some of them joined themselves to Paul. In other words, they became part of it. The Passion Translation says that they became part of his company. Isn't that what it says here? Uh, So Paul, uh, then there were some that believed the message and joined him from that day forward. No, it's another, I think it's a new living that says, and they joined that company. But there is an element here. And and I I said, Lord, what are you saying? I, I am not... Listen to me carefully because I'm speaking by the Spirit. I said to God this afternoon, I knew that he was speaking to me through this verse, the, the two, three verses here. And I said, but Lord, it is not customary in Promise of Life Church for me to be mocked. But I knew he was telling me in this season, this Hebron season, not just this moment, but this Hebron season, there are going to be many that mock you. I said, but Lord, our people love you and they, they're part of this company. They, they're like Peter. They've got, they're in their company. What do you mean there's going to be? And I thought he meant that people are going to start mocking me in my church. I didn't know what he meant. And then the Holy Ghost, the rain began to talk to me. And this is, this is the synopsis. I won't tell you everything, but this is a synopsis of what he said. He said, in this Hebron season, I told you, like David sat down on the throne and the ministry became more public. His ministry became more public as a king. It had, it had a wider reach. It was bigger than Ziglag. And he said, in this season, he said, you're just at the very beginning of Hebron. And you've just been so focused on the COVID-19. You, you're, just, you're just trying to, <laughs> you, you're, just, you're just at the very edge of it. You're just at the very beginning of it. He said, this season hasn't even played out yet. He said, but in this season, he said, there is going to be a wider audience for your ministry. And I don't know what he means, Lorraine. I don't know if he means more people are going to watch live stream. I don't know if he means that I'm going to be invited to more conferences. I don't know if it means I'm going to travel more. I don't know if it means television. He will have to clarify because I will not put my own interpretation on it. But I do know one thing for sure, even though I don't know all the specifics that he said to me today. He said, in the season of Hebron, there will be a much wider range of your voice. Now that lines up because Pastor Nancy prophesied that two, three years ago, that the voice would be enlarged and would go further and even have political implications. So the prophets already told me that. And then Randy's been talking about this apostolic anointing. So in terms of those that I submit to, this is in line with what they've said. But when God said it to me, it's a little bit different even than when other people say it to me. Because when God says it to me, I, I trust and believe them. But when God says it to me, Lorraine, it means it's imminent now. It's about to happen. And he said to me, the, the range and the reach of your ministry in Hebron will be completely different to Ziglag. You're you're coming into a new season. He doesn't just mean with the 30% deal. He's talking about Hebron in general. The range and the reach of the ministry is going to increase dramatically. And there are many people that would not have heard you preach that are going to hear you preach. I don't know how he's going to do that, but I'm telling you, you can take it to the bank. He's going to do that. And he said to me, when I talk about mockers, I'm not talking about people in your congregation. They're not mockers. They're part of your company. He said, but because your voice is going to reach, there are going going to be many that mock you and mock you to your face. Do not be moved by it. 
He said, there will also be many that are not fully willing to accept your message, but their hearts are open and they say like the second group of people, please talk to us more about this. We want to hear. He said, there'll be interested ones. And he said, and there will also be ones in this season, as the voice increases and the expanse is wider, the, the, the outreach is bigger. He said, there will also be, verse 34, people that won't just accept the message. They will come and join themselves to you like glue. They will cleave unto you. And that action of cleaving is actually the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It's divine and supernatural. It's not just people emotionally liking you. It's not just people emotionally joining your church by signing a membership card. It's people by the anointing, by the leading of the Spirit, a divine unction of God on them, and they will come and not just join you, they will stick to you, they will cleave to you like glue. And he said, you're going to find three, and all those are very different, but you're going to find three responses in the Hebron season. One is they will be mockers and don't let it bother you. Just shake it off and move on. Put the dust off your feet. Shake the dust off. It's to their eternal shame. And there will be some that are interested. And you keep talking to the ones that are interested. And there'll be some that aren't just interested and don't just believe. They believe with all their heart. And they come and they cleave unto you. Praise God. And I said, Lord, what an encouraging word. Thank you for that. And he, he was talking about promise of life in terms of the cleaving, but in terms of the mocking and all the other stuff, he, it wasn't just limited to this congregation. I don't know. I know he meant international. There's something happening. I don't know how God's going to do it, but there's something that he's working behind the scenes where there's going to be a wider range of the voice and people in other places that have never heard. Some will mock, some will be interested, and others will cleave. But I wanted to say this to you tonight. You say, well, what's that got to do with me? I'm already in the church. I'm not in some other country. Uh, I'm not, I, that doesn't apply to me, but it does apply to you. Not the mocking part or the interest part, because I know you're all interested and you all are part of this company. But I want to say something to you. Did you notice? Because he, he said that to me at first, like that one nugget was about the bigger picture and the three categories, which I've explained. And then the second thing that he said, which was the second nugget, he specified, it's like he, he narrowed it down. He, he narrowed the spotlight right down just to verse 34, just to that third group of people and specifically for Promise of Life Church only. The first was kind of a bigger thing. And then the second thing that he said to me was specifically for this church. And I heard these words. He said, did you notice, son? I'm, I'm telling you what God said to me. He said, did you notice, son, that it said that they cleaved unto him? I said, yeah, I, I see that. How be it certain men clave unto him? He said, you're so afraid to ask people to be loyal to you. But he said, these people were loyal to him. They weren't just loyal to the word. They were loyal to the man who preached the word. Why? You can be, you, we are all primarily loyal to the word. But some people out there don't preach the word the same way. I'm loyal to Jesus and the word first, always first, 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 first. But I've noticed after 29 years of ministry that not everybody preaches the word the same way. And so when I found my Paul, when I found my Pastor Nancy and my Dr. Dufresne, I clave unto them. I, there was a, something in my heart glued to them, not because I'm putting them on a pedestal or there's something inappropriate about that, but because they were preaching the word the way God wanted me to hear it. 
My loyalty is to the word, but I clave unto the person because the person preached the word under the anointing and God connected me with that person and that person has a grace for my life. Do you understand? You got you to rightly divide this so you don't get weird with it. I'm not saying like because cults, cults go too far and now it's not the word. Now it's just loyalty to me, loyalty to me. No matter what I say, do it. No matter what, I, however I live, sin or not, follow me. That's not what I'm saying. Our loyalty is always to the word first and foremost. But when you find somebody in a company that God plants you in that vineyard, that company, and anoints with a grace on that person's life to preach the word that you're loyal to, that you're loyal to under an anointing that feeds you and helps you in a, in a dramatic way. When God connects you, your loyalty is to the word, but you can still cleave to the person that God is using to preach the word. That's why Paul said, follow me, stay close to me as long as I follow Christ. Do you understand? A lot of people preach the word, but not everybody preaches it the way we do. A lot of ministers preach a good word, but there's no one like Pastor Nancy for me. And there's a lot of great preachers in Toronto, but there's no one like Pastor Craig for you if God put you in this vineyard, if God said this is your company, if God said the anointing and the way the word is preached through him is what I want for you, there's a grace on his life for you, then I become your Paul. Just like Pastor Nancy's my Paul, I become your Paul. And, and I heard the Holy Ghost in my heart say, challenge the people, son, to love and cleave to the word, but also to love and cleave loyally to you who I'm using to preach the word and not get distracted and looking at all these other bigger ministries, ministries with more money, ministries with more pizzazz and more fame and, and cool lights and all this kind of stuff. Lights don't, don't change you. Even miracle working power might heal you, but it's not going to change the way you think. It's the word preached under the anointing that will transform you by the renewing of your mind. And then he reminded me, I won't, I won't go there, but in 2 Samuel, if you're writing notes, 2310, it's talking about Eliezer, which was one of David's mighty men. And he was there and he was fighting against the Philistines. You can read it later. 2 Samuel 2310. And he fought so long and so hard with that sword. The Bible said that the sword clave unto his hand. Now, if you study that in the Hebrew, it means he had to take a knife and he had to cut the sword out of his hand because the sword literally welded to his hand. In other words, the sword was wasn't just there. Uh, there was so much friction when that metal hits metal. It puts uh, it puts uh, it, it puts a shockwave down that sword. If you ever actually had a real sword fight, it's amazing how tired your hand gets because there's that as it hits and the other metal. There's this friction and this this this. I don't know what the word word, word um, the word um, is escaping me. What that's called. But there's this movement and this and this shockwave down the sword and it, and it, and it goes into your hand. If you've ever done it, you know what I'm talking about. And obviously he went so long and so hard that the sword handle itself became welded to his hand. Now you add the, not to be gory, but you add the blood in all of that because when you're killing people, there's blood and the blood is coming into his hand and blood is sticky. And then all this friction and all this, this reverberation from the metal hitting the metal. And he's doing it for so long, the sword attached itself to his hand to the point that he had to, in the Hebrew, take a knife and cut the sword out of his hand. Now the Lord reminded me of that. I used to preach a sermon on the road years ago on that. And he reminded me of that. He said, do you remember how Eliezer's sword clave unto his hand? I said, yes, sir. 
He said, do you remember that my word says in the book of Ephesians that the word of God is like the sword of the spirit? I said, yes, sir. He said, son, tell the people that I want the word, the word of God, the sword of the spirit has to be so real to them that it, it joins itself. It makes itself part of their DNA. The Word has got to be so real to you and you're meditating and reading on it so much and loving it and honoring it so much that the Word becomes a part of you, that you'd have to cut it out with a knife to get it out of you because the Word has attached itself to you. I'm talking spiritually, obviously. I don't mean physically. The Bible is attached to your skin. You know what I'm talking about. The, the spiritual revelation of the Word is so ingrained in you that it's attached to your very DNA like the sword was attached to Eliezer's hand. I said, yes, Lord, I, I, I remember that. And this is what the Holy Ghost dropped in my heart. He said, tell the people their loyalty is first to the word. And I want the word to clay. I want their hand to clave unto the sword of the word. But also tell them that the one who preaches the word to them, I want their heart to clave unto that one as well. Because not everybody can preach and has the same flow as promise of life has. And others have great flows and good flows and wonderful flows. But I didn't ask them to go to those places. I asked them to come here. And so their loyalty is to clave to the word, but also their loyalty... Their heart is to clave to the one who preaches that word to them. Do you understand my heart? I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm not trying to be weird. I'm just saying God showed me that on, on, on two, a macrocosm and a microcosm. On the macrocosm, he said the, the reach is growing and there will be mockers. Don't let them bother you. There'll be interested parties. Just keep feeding them. And there'll be ones that are coming, son, that will cleave themselves unto you. And they'll be like David's mighty men. That's the bigger picture coming. Then he, then he narrowed it to the microcosm of just this local congregation of 400 and whatever people. And he said, now, son, tell the people they must love the word. Let their hand, let their heart join itself to the word of God. Because remember, you're not just hearing the word that I preach. You should be in the word every day, seven days a week. You should be meditating, memorizing, feeding, meditating, mulling over, talking it to yourself. The word, the word, the sword must become one with you. But don't forget that the one that God assigned you to with a grace for your life, me, the vineyard, the company that God gave you, promise of life, there is a loyalty that comes because did you notice? He drew my attention to it. He said, did you notice? It didn't say that they clave unto the word. It said they believed the word, but they clave unto him. They clave unto Paul. Their hearts knitted with him. Their hearts glued to him. And he said, tell the people, love the word first, because the word's always first, but also love the person that preaches the word to you. When they hear the word of truth, latch on and glue and stay close with that person that preached to you, because not everybody has that same anointing. I said, well, Lord, it sounds self-serving to say that to the people. It sounds like I'm trying to tell them that I'm better than other people. And he said, son, you're not better than anybody else. He said, but the anointing is unique here. The anointing is one of a kind here. And it's unique in other places too. But when, ones, when, I, the way I, when I ask them to come here, this anointing will help them have maximum fruit bearing potential. And another place, they won't be able to operate the same way. So tell them to love the word, love the word, love the word. Love the word. Praise God. Get it in you. Not just in services, not just watching live stream. Every day, read it. But also cleave to the one that preaches it to you because it's, it's if I could say it this way, it's rare. Not everybody has that same grace. If it was that common, it would be cheap. But it's not. What we have here is rare. And I'm not just saying that on my own, Lorraine, because when, 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 brother, when brother Jerry came here 
to our church. He said to me, he said, and he travels, I don't know, what, 1,900 churches he's gone to in the States alone over the years, plus all the international countries. And he said, I've never seen a church like yours except one other in Florida with that kind of hunger. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear the, the I mean, I don't think we're worthy of that kind of compliment, but that's what he said to me. He said, I, I've never seen people like that want the move of God. He said, this one other church that I know is similar to you. He said, but your people, there's something unique here. There's something very unique here at Promise of Life. He recognized it. I didn't say anything to him. Reverend Randy, the first time he came here, he said the same thing to me. He said, this is a very unique church. Pastor Nancy, when that mantle came down and doctor had the open vision and she went into the back room, remember, you know, doctor yelled at me and said, don't mess it up. And I was, oh my God. And I'm, you know, freaking out. Pastor Nancy, who's, who's not, you know, pastor's very sweet, but she's not given to, you know, you know, hugging and, you know, that kind of stuff. She, she, she's just a strong lady. So for her to come over and do this, you have to understand how, how freaked out I was. And she came and put her arm around me and said, calm down, Pastor Craig, calm down, calm down. It's okay. There's a destiny on this church. There's a destiny on this church. That's why it's so important that you don't make mistakes, but just stay close to us, your spiritual friend. Stay with the word and spirit and stay humble and stay hungry and it will all come to pass. And oh God, so help me with that. I say that to remind you there's a destiny on this church. There's something unique about this church. God did it, not me. I don't take credit for it. We're not better than anybody else. We're just, we're different because there's a destiny on us. There's a uniqueness here. You can't find this flow and you can't find this teaching just down the street because you decide to walk into another denominational or independent church. You might, you might not. But even if you could, even if there was a replica of us 20 meters away, if God put you here, if God made this your vineyard, if God made this your company, if God made me the one with the grace for your life, if God made me your Paul, like Pastor Nancy's mine, then let your heart cleave unto me. Join, stick with me close, like I stick with her close, and there'll be success in your life like there's success in my life. First, let the word cleave itself unto you, the word itself, and second, secondarily, less importantly, but still importantly, let the one that God's assigned primarily to preach the word to you cleave yourself unto them. Stay faithful. Stay with me. It will all surely come to pass. Hallelujah. So Lorraine, there was a microcosm about reminding these precious congregation members that this anointing is unique and it's not cheap and they can't just find it down the street. And there, there must be a loyalty and a cleaving and a gluing in their hearts more than ever before. So that's what I wanted to share with them. But also, which doesn't really affect the individual people so much, but I'm just speaking it out because it needs to be spoken and we need to pray it out, Lorraine, that on the larger scale internationally now, in this season of Hebron, with the voice getting larger, people that have never heard are going to hear, and there's going to be three responses. I'm not talking about in the congregation now. I'm talking about people outside the congregation in other places. Could be in other parts of Toronto, could be other parts of Canada, could be internationally. I don't know. But I heard him say, they were going to be some that mock you and mock you to your face. Do not let it bother you. Shake the dust off your feet. There will be others that are interested, their heart's right, but they're not ready to accept it. Keep engaging them. And he said, but there will be some, son, that hear the message and they join their heart with you. Like those men, like Dionysus and Demarius did with Paul, they cleave unto you because of the word that you brought them that set them free. I tell you, can't tell you how much that encouraged me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I don't know how God's going to do it, but there's more coming. 
There's more coming. Hallelujah. Praise God. In Jesus' name, there's more coming. So I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, don't forget, Paul had a habit. Jesus, as his habit was, went to church. Hebrews 10.25, make it your habit as you see the day approaching. Just because God did a lot for you during the time of, of watching live stream, because he counted it as honor because it was outside your control, but now that it's inside your control, he won't count it as honor the same way. If you don't make an effort, make the effort and come to church and watch what he does for you. And remember, this is a unique anointing here. Let your heart cleave to me. Let your heart cleave to the word. Let's, let's stay a company together. Praise God. No matter what happens, Lorraine, internationally, no matter what God does internationally, no matter how big or small it is, my, there, is there is never going to the, the, the love and the loyalty to the individual people sitting physically here in this congregation will never diminish. Just because we have a ministry outside there or outside there or traveling, it doesn't mean that my heart gets cold or less toward the people in this congregation. There's always going to be a unique and strong anointing for this congregation. Don't ever feel gypped or don't ever feel jealous because God may do things internationally. You're never going to be left out. Just be faithful. And then, of course, God will meet you, but he'll also meet others because there's others that need this anointing and there's others that need this message. We can't be selfish with it and hold it just to Mississauga. There's other people that are desperate for it. And as God opens the doors, only as he opens the doors, I'm going to go. Remember, there's 27 nations in the last two years that have asked me to come and preach and every, almost every single one of them, God said, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. I'm almost got, almost got so used to it. Like if somebody invited me, I just would say without even praying, I'm not coming because God just repeatedly said, don't go. But so I'm not saying that there's not opportunities, but I don't go places until God says go. Now, when he says go, it will work. And when he said doesn't go, it's not going to bear fruit the same way. And so I'm only going to the places where God says go, but there are people out there that need this message and that want it, and they are going to cleave themselves unto us, just like you have. So I hope you're encouraged tonight. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for instructing me. I, I knew that nugget was for something. I didn't know if it was for later or for now, but you're so kind in the way that you got that over to me so that I wouldn't miss it tonight. Lord, I thank you for the season that is coming to an end now. Father, the season of empty buildings is, is over. Oh, I'm so grateful, Jesus. I'm so grateful. I just, I haven't really enjoyed it, to be honest with you, Lord. I mean, you've been so faithful to me, and you've been so faithful to the people, and they've watched faithfully, and they've given faithfully, and they were so kind to Africa, and they were so kind in past appreciation. But Lord, I, I just, I'm so grateful that the season is ending tonight, and that I get to see their faces again. So, Father, I thank you that you'll quicken these words to them that I've preached tonight. Let their hearts cleave unto the word and let their hearts cleave unto me. And let them show honor to you by coming in person and not, uh, not being ignorant of the, of the subtle attack that is sure to come to try to get them to stay home and justify it because it's easier and that God doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter to God anyway. No, it does matter to you, Father. You want us to come in person and show you honor. And so I thank you that they'll submit to that in Jesus' name.